It's football season. Time for the Gridiron Breakdown. Your hosts, RJ. Well, when was the last time 80,000 people showed up to see if you're doing chemistry experiments? Alan. You play football like Engineero played football. Let's get to the breakdown. It's time for the Gridiron Breakdown Show, where we get into the X's and O's of the top college football games each weekend and talk a little of the NFL. And I'm here with Alan and Man. We're at the end of the college football season officially, and LSU stands atop of the mountain. They are the national champions after putting an absolute beatdown on the Clemson Tigers. It was close early, and then it got out of hand fast. LSU wins to the tune of 42-25. to Yeah, I mean, LSU had a fantastic season. Um they play. They've beaten as it stands right now the two, three, and four team. They beat Alabama when they're one. So I think they've beaten seven teams who finished in the AP top uh, twenty-five, and I think five of those are in the top ten. Um, Joe Burrow had a season for the ages, threw sixty touchdown passes, only six interceptions. And Jay, you know, you can say what you want. Yeah, Ed Orgeron talks funny, but deep down, that guy is a great guy. Uh, last night on Scott Van Pelt, you know, Scott Van Pelt, coach, you won the national championship. You're in New Orleans. What are you going to do? And he said, you know, going to go back to the hotel with my family and we're going to see if we can find ourselves a ham sandwich. Uh, you know, the man's in New Orleans and he probably could have called any restaurant and said, you know, I want a double porterhouse and twice baked potato and whatever he want. And they would have hand delivered it to him. But he said, you know, I'm just a simple guy. And he is. And, you know, I'm glad Orgeron won, especially over Dabo, to be perfectly honest. Yeah, you're you're not a fan of the Dabo, and, and I can understand why for a lot of reasons. You know, I'll say this about Ed. Very humble dude. He, he's come a long way as a coach. And look, he did what coaches that evolve know how to do. He's not a guy that's his next to his nose guy. He's a motivator, and he learned how to be a coach of coaches. He put together a great staff. He really kept him going. I mean, Dave Aranda was a great hire when he made it originally. Had a misstep on the first offensive coordinator. Went with a guy he trusted. Went to that guy, Steve Insminger, and said, we got to change. Steve agreed. They went and got Wonderkin Joe Brady out of the NFL. And, I mean, they turned their offense on like a fire hose. And it it's never – I don't know if I've ever seen anything like that. I'm not trying to say greatest of all time and all that hyperbole. But that offense functioned on a level that I just haven't seen, man, in other places. And I've got to tell you, dude, one of the weirdest things <clears throat> about all of it was Joe, Joe Burrow didn't even have one of his better games last night statistically. Like, he was 31 of 49. That's not a Joe Burrow statistic. He usually doesn't miss more than five or six passes. But he still threw for 460 yards, five touchdowns, and he ran for another 60 after getting beat up. And, I mean, let's face it, dude, Clemson came at him hard. You know, and they, they really did, but uh, it wasn't enough. And what can you say, though, about what Dave Aranda did to that Clemson offense? I mean, Trevor Lawrence looked downright pedestrian, dude. 18-37, 234 yards, no touchdowns, only six yards and average on the throws. He did run for 49 yards and a touchdown, but most of that was in the first half. And, you know, Travis Etienne got off to a fast start, and he got totally shut down, too. He did. Aranda did a great job. 
Um, and LSU's defense has really been playing a lot better since the Alabama game. They've only given up, I think it was three passing touchdowns in the last six games. But here, here's one thing. And I know it's probably because LSU had taken it away. But, you know, Jay, you're sitting there at the score 28 to 25. Travis Etienne touched the ball one more time the rest of the night. I'm not sure why yeah. Clemson went away from him. He was really their bread and butter all year. Uh, they went away from him, and they didn't give him a chance. I mean, he's a playmaker. And the other misstep, and Brett Venables, one of the great defensive coaches in the country, why would you cover Jamar Chase one-on-one all night long? I know you got to pick your poison yeah. with those guys, but I feel like there are some teams in the SEC who did a lot better, you know, kind of picking their poison instead of saying, okay, we're going to go one-on-one with this guy and just let him run by us all night. I mean, run by him, run over him, had nine catches for 221 yards, two big touchdowns, and he dropped another touchdown. I mean, the the dude is just a stud and only 6'1", but he's 200 pounds and super physical. Justin Jefferson had a huge game. Thaddeus Moss caught a couple touchdowns. Uh, you know, quietly, and I think kind of sums up his whole year, Clyde Edwards, Edwards-Hilaire had 110 yards rushing. And, dude, every time he had the chance to step out of bounds or sidestep somebody, he just lowered his shoulder and bowled into people. And – I, I think Clemson is a physical football team. They play a physical brand of football. I don't think they'd had anybody, including Ohio State, hit them the way that that LSU hit them. And I, look, man, I mean, you tell the tale of the game, Clemson had a 17-7 lead, and a lot of it was because they did a great job in punt coverage and pinned LSU early and tried to make them drive the whole field. And it took LSU a quarter to really get the offense going. But at no time did LSU look like they were like panicked or worried. On the other hand, when Clemson, you know, saw the, the light switch flip on them and they got down and they, they didn't look like they knew how to respond to it. And that third down call or the quarterback draw call with no time, you know, going into half and Joe Burrow runs for 30 yards or whatever was one of the gutsiest things I've ever seen, man. And I, it's just an amazing game plan, and hats off to LSU. I mean, they, they earned it on the field, dude. I mean, you can say what you will about, you know, were the teams they played that great? And, I mean, yeah, you know, I, I consider make excuses for Auburn was about a half team, Florida the same, Georgia wasn't that good this year, Tua was hurt, Alabama's not, you know, what they are on defense. But you know what, man, all of those teams I just named would smoke everybody Clemson played this year by 20 points or more, including teams like Auburn with bad offenses. And Clemson in no way could have played LSU, then turned around the next week and played somebody like Florida and then played, you know, Mississippi State and survived it at all. I, I just don't think they're built to deal with that the way LSU was. No, I mean, it'll go down. I'm not going to say they're the greatest team. It was one of the greatest seasons I've ever seen. Uh, they'll be up there with some of the great teams. But a really great job by LSU. My hat's off to them. You know, Jay, it was just breaking a little while ago that it appears wonder kid Joe Brady is heading back to the NFL um, to go to the Carolina Panthers as offensive coordinator. We know Joe Burrow is going to the NFL because he has to. I'm sure there will be a cavalcade of juniors from this LSU team uh, who are going to turn pro. You know, the ones who received the fake money from OBJ last night. Um, I'm sure they'll be getting a phone call from Indianapolis. Or uh, if they already haven't, you know, here's the thing. What's next for LSU? I mean, Jay, they put together one of the greatest seasons, one of the great offense, just everything clicked. 
you know, there's no way they can beat this. They're still going to be a really good team, but uh, mm-hmm. they're going to have to learn how to retool and uh, in a hurry. I, dude, it feels a whole lot like the way I felt as an Auburn fan after 2010 when we knew Cam was going, you know, and the one defensive player, Nick Fairley, was a senior. And you knew the rest of that team wasn't NFL caliber and proven by the fact that none of them ever played in the NFL except Cam and Fairley. When it, it, you knew it was going to be a reset, and it was a hard reset for Auburn. I don't think LSU will set back that much because I do think they they have a lot of good talent. They have a lot of young talent on defense. Uh, Derek Stingley Jr. being you're kind of the lead in the back of that. And, I mean, again, since when has an LSU had defense? But you can't follow up a historic offensive output like that and do that again. And to expect such is not fair to them. Now that said, they could be special. I don't know what Miles Brennan does as a quarterback. I don't know if they get, you know, one of these transfer portal quarterbacks. We'll have to see how that plays out. Um, I I am curious now that Joe Brady's going back to the NFL, what they're going to look like offensively. It's going to be different. There's no doubt. But, but even if that's true, it doesn't change what they did this year. You know, a 15 and 0 team, uh, a number one seed, finally won the playoffs. You know, and they they had to beat some real teams to do it all season long, and I, you can't take it away from them. Do they have an encore? I don't know. I, I really don't. And the odds would say probably not. But they put this together, and I'm going to give the benefit of the doubt enough to say, okay, can they? You know, they can probably get back to it again after a year or two. Uh, and who knows, they may be good enough to win the SEC next year. It may just not get them into the playoffs. You never know. Yeah, what's well, definitely been an exciting and historic college fo- 150th college football season. Um, you know, I don't think you can say enough good things about just the kind of person who Ed Orgeron really is and just the motivator he is. I mean, those guys will run through a wall for him. And, I mean, just some of the stories, the shotgun and Red Bulls and just all the crazy things that come with Ed Orgeron, where it used to be, you know, kind of a sideshow. Uh, he's kind of figured it out, and he's really surprised me. I really didn't think this hire would work. And you know what, Jay? I mean, I'll, I'll say he probably won't win another national championship because winning a second one's pretty hard. I mean, there are only six guys actively coaching now who have titles, and three of those play in the SEC West, by the way. Um, mm-hmm. so, you know, it's going to be tough, but hats off to them. Enjoy it, LSU. You've earned it. Um, nobody can take that away from you. No doubt. And, you know, I'll, I'll say this too, uh, for a lot of the jokes, and I was in on some of that on Twitter too, that, you know, the Pac-12 officiating team was, they, they are known for, uh, some curious calls, shall we say, throughout the season. They did a pretty good job officiating that game. There's only a couple of calls. I don't know that that was targeting. I mean, you can argue that that's such a gray area. It's hard to tell. So I'll give them that one. I didn't think that offensive pass interference was a terribly good call, but I also don't think it mattered. Like that would have put, that would have potentially put Clemson back within 10, but that just means LSU doesn't run the ball eight times in their last two series. That means they throw it five more times and they score another touchdown because there was no way Clemson's defense was stopping LSU at that point. So, uh, we just had more points in a game that had plenty to begin with. Um, I will say this, and I know I'm going to be the thousandth person on a podcast or radio show to argue about this, but can we please do something about the time of this game? Dude, I live in the Eastern time zone. This game kicked off at 835. 
I was like, man, this is going to be a long night. <laughs> I mean, it ended after midnight, dude. I'm like, I got to go to work. Like, what, what is going on? That We have got to either play this on the weekend or kick this thing off at seven, man. Something. Yeah, and, you know, I don't, I don't know what the answer really is. I know they don't want to try to interfere with the NFL playoffs, and I can't blame them for that. And that's why, Jay, they really honestly need to find a way to play this game on New Year's Day. They need to, or new. They need to find a way to reconfigure how the playoffs work, play those games earlier, and make this a New Year's Day game. Wrap it up and be done. I think that's the only way you can do it, not getting away the NFL playoffs. Because I don't think they're going to be willing to kick it seven. Because then you're kicking, you know, if you're kicking at seven Eastern, you're kicking at what four on the West Coast. They're not going to lose out on those markets. It's all about money yeah. and uh, all the zombies who went to work this morning. <laughs> I can tell you the the amount of people that watch the game. I'll be curious to see what the ratings when they finally all come out. I know it was it's pretty highly rated just on basic spec. But when they get the full numbers, it'll be neat to see. I I understand why it's on a Monday and why they can't do Saturday or Sunday because you're right. The NFL playoffs dominate that, and they're not gonna they're not gonna go head to head with that. As popular as college football is right now, that's not a good idea. Um, they, they're not gonna do that, but we got to do something and there doesn't need to be a 16 day layoff. Uh, not that playing this game a week earlier would have changed anything about what happened in it. I think it would have just been more of the same, but I, I just, uh, I just want the timing to be a little bit better. And, you know, we, we can kick off at eight o'clock, like sharp, like the, the show started at eight, the kickoff finally happened at eight 30. Like, look, let's do all that pageantry and stuff while everybody's coming home from work and nobody cares. Right. And then let's play the game because college football games are long enough. Anyway, this is a four hour football game. Uh, say what you will about the NFL. Those are three hour football games and they're awesome. I mean, they go to the playoffs and it's still shorter than this or the overtime and it's still shorter than this game. So it, it was kind of wild to, to watch. But, you know, it was a, it was a pretty fun 150th season. I think we had a lot. We talked about it earlier. It, it was a pretty wild season, man. We had a lot of cool stuff, a lot of neat stories. I mean, nobody would have had Joe Burrow on the Heisman list at the end of the year, and lo and behold, he you know, won it. And I mean, you had weird injuries. You had teams that you thought were going to be in it that weren't. You had teams rise up and you know, score big upsets and then fall apart. I mean, there's tons of stuff that went down this year. Made it real entertaining. Yeah, it was, Jay, and I want to leave you with with this thought real quick. So if you take these couple of coaches and you gather all their national championship trophies, if you take Tom Herman, Jim Harbaugh, and Dan Mullen, and some of these other high-priced, you know, wondered kids all over the world, Gus Malzahn, you throw all those trophies in the middle, that Orgeron's pile is still bigger. Yeah, as far as head coaching trophies, you're right. A couple of those guys got them as assistants, but uh, yeah, uh, Ed O now now has the big giant pen holder that all of them are chasing now. And I think you you know you're right that there's six guys now that have have those trophies, and three of them are in the same division of the same conference, and there's only two that have multiple ones. That's how hard it is to to repeat and. You know, the early season projections are, you know, Clemson one and Alabama two. And I don't know. I, I guess that makes as much sense now in January as anything else would. But uh, 
who's to say, man? There's going to be a, there's gonna be a lot of things that go down this offseason. We still got the NFL playoffs and and draft decisions are going to be coming up. Uh, I think they're all due within you know less than a week after this show comes out. So we'll know which juniors are declaring and who's transferring and all that. And then you know signing day, the official signing day will kick in. Though that one is kind of lackluster at this point for all the big teams. And, uh, you know, then, then it'll be into the grand off season that is football. Yeah, that, that's the silly season, but at least you have the NFL draft and, you know, watching the scandal in baseball might, might be fun. Apparently a lot of people are going to get fired in the next week or two, but, but in the South, I mean, football is all year long. Uh, there's always something to talk about. There's spring, you know, Dabo said it last night. Well, spring practice is only six weeks away. Um, so there'll be enough to keep you there. You know, I, for me, it gets bad when you get in those long summer months of June and July. It's just and all, the only thing on is baseball. That, that's when it's tough. Um, but, you know, we'll make it through the offseason. I'm sure we'll come up with a few show ideas out there to uh, keep you entertained. Oh, yeah. Yeah, there'll be a lot of things. We're going we're gonna to give you a couple weeks off here as the college football season is ended. And Brian and I will talk about the rest of the NFL season and get that done. And then when that's over, you, you and I will catch back in on signing day. We will kind of review that once and for all. And then, hey, you know, there'll be some fun offseason topics. We can always get through a few things talking college football. That's the, the fun thing. We usually do this show, and then we kind of end at the end of the season, and we're done. But we're going to try to keep it going through the offseason and just talk, you know, football year-round kick around a few different ideas and then, you know, see, see what, uh, what percolates to the top, but it's been a lot of fun talking about it with you again, man. And uh, I'll give it to you, the floor to you one last time to just sign off for the season. Well, Jay, it was an exciting season. Uh, you know, a great way to end. You had some really good, well, two really good playoff games. One was a stinker, a lot of great storylines and, you know, you know, people are already talking about college football next year, you know, the top 25, Way too early's are already out, and you know, only one team gets to to take home that giant pen holder, and everybody else is dreaming about it. So they turn the page pretty quickly. But I appreciate everybody listening. We really enjoy doing the show, and I hope you keep tuning in. We're going to have some fun topics for the off season. Yeah, one thing we will do once once the NFL season is said and done, and the coaching carousel stops spinning, because it's still going even as we record this. We'll take a look at all the coaching hires and the coaching moves, give our thoughts on you know, some of the big ones that have gone down and what we think about it. And then, of course, lots of other things to talk about as well. But again, Alan, thanks for joining me this year to talk college football. And we're going to flip the switch over now and talk to Brian a little bit about the NFL. Well, Brian, it's time for the NFC and AFC championships. Can you believe it? We're, we're right at the very end of the NFL football season. It's uh it's been a fun season actually I think and uh it's kind of wild to think that we're what th- three Sundays away from a Super Bowl and uh I can't believe that our t- Titans are in this man it's so exciting <laughs> it's wild I mean to taking out the juggernaut that is the Patriots and then the Ravens that were you know the unbeatable team this year and beat them both pretty pretty soundly I mean pretty pretty handily you look back at those games it's amazing but. Man, what can you say about what the Chiefs did? I mean, they spotted Houston 24 points and then unloaded the racks on them and completely blew the Texans off the field uh, last week. Yeah, it was unbelievable. I mean, I was I was watching the games and what was it? Uh, the t- uh, Titans opened up a 14-point lead on the Baltimore Ravens and they were talking about how the, the biggest lead that the Ravens ever had to overcome was like, 
nine points or something like that. So I'm like, dang, that's awesome. And then the Ravens score a field goal. But luckily in that game, nothing really happened. But then you watch. I'm I'm, I'm driving because my kid had a tournament that day. I'm driving and we're listening to the the, uh, Texans and the Kansas City game. And we're just blown away when they're up 21 to zero, right? <laughs> and we're just like, wow, well, uh, that that's crazy. And then we get home and all of a sudden they start coming back and you're just like, what the hell is going on? It was, it was, that was a hell yeah. of a comeback. It really was. It really was. And then on the NFC side, I mean, our two competitors here really took care of business against team San Francisco handled Minnesota pretty well and Green Bay took care of Seattle except for a kind of a furious late comeback led by Russell Wilson but for the most part the Packers handled business along with the 49ers yeah I mean they're number one and two seeds and and they showed why uh they they had no problems and you you said that Russell Wilson started to make a comeback you know too little too late unfortunately for him but uh at least it made the game interesting at the end uh, other than that, yeah, you're right. The Packers took care of business, and San Francisco just demolished Minnesota. Yeah, yeah, it just wasn't wasn't the Vikings' day out on the West Coast, that's for sure. It did not go well. But hey, man, that was last week. We got to talk about this weekend's games because this is for all the cheddar, man. This is going to get you to the big show for the for the Super Bowl shot here, and we're going to start with the AFC Championship. This will be on CBS. It's a, a 205 uh, kick central, 305 Eastern on Sunday. The Tennessee Titans, the number six seed, taking on the number two seed, Kansas City Chiefs. So kind of break it down for me from the Titans' perspective, Brian. What do they need to do to be able to win this ball game? I, I think the, the formula is easy, right? Stay on the field, keep Mahomes off it, run the ball, give it to Derrick Henry, feed the guy. Uh, Take a couple deep shots to A.J. Brown, maybe even throw Corey Davis in there and let it go. The weakness of the Chiefs is the tight ends. So that might be good for uh, Jonu Smith to to make an impact in this game as well. So they don't have a good, uh, easy time guarding those tight ends. So we'll see what happens. But I I still think the key is get to establish the run and run it, run it, run it down their throats. Uh, Score that way. Do everything. Time of possession is going to be key in this game. You don't want to give Russell, or uh, sorry, Patrick Mahomes the ball, and uh, let him make big plays on you. Obviously, that's what Houston did, and it came back to bite them in the rear. So let's not have a repeat of that. So defensively, how do the Titans limit the big playability of Kansas City? Because Travis Kelsey is a problem to try to cover at tight end. You got Tyreek Hill and Sammy Watkins out wide. Uh, you got what Patrick Mahomes can just do with his feet. Uh, you know, how, how do the Titans game plan to keep that in check so that they can handle it? Well, I mean, it's the opposite of last week. Last week, we, we said they had to keep Lamar Jackson in check on his running game, right? And they, they did an okay job of it, right? They made him throw to win that game. And that was the only way he was going to win, and he, he didn't. Uh, in this game, you have the opposite thing. You know, Patrick Mahomes is going to kill you with his arm. So they have to take those two out they have to take kelsey out of the game for sure and then tyreek hill they can't give up the long ball so they're gonna have to double team kelsey i think uh, to keep him from from hurting them in the end and then they're gonna have to make sure that that their safeties are on 
Tyreek Hill and making sure he doesn't get that big ball. If they can stop the passing game, I don't think Kansas City's running game is good enough. I, I like Singletary. I just don't think it's good enough to win that game for them. So they have to defend the pass, and that unfortunately is not their strong suit. Yeah, that's the, that's the problem in this one, man, is because if, if a quarterback has time, they can pick him apart. And that's been Tennessee's thing, man. It's creating pressure. Like, they'll give up yards galore, but they won't give up scores. I, I mean, I think that's the thing that really changed the Baltimore game. I mean, you go back and look at the stat line. If I were to tell you Lamar Jackson had 350 yards passing and 140 yards rushing, you'd have been like, did they win by four or five touchdowns? Right. But they, mm-hmm. you know, they only scored one the whole game. Tennessee, like, bends and absolutely does not break in the red zone. It's going to be key again to keep that up for sure. Now, on the Kansas City side of things, I think you're exactly right. Tennessee's going to come out and try to bludgeon them with Derrick Henry. What does Kansas City's defense do to try to stand up and stack up against the run? Because they're only giving up 94 yards a game this year. Well, I mean, you look at the Titans this uh, this pre uh, postseason. Uh, Tannehill, man, he's only he hasn't thrown for 100 yards in either game. Okay, so they need to stack the box. I'd say they're going to have to load seven on the box to keep Henry at bay. And if they can do that, they're going to force Tannehill to beat him or to beat them. And I don't know if Tannehill can do that. He hasn't shown that he can. I think he could. But again, I if I'm the Chiefs, I'm putting all my bets on stacking the box and stopping Derrick Henry. And if you do that, you can stop the Titans from winning the game. All right, so down to brass tacks finally, Brian. Tell me how it's going to go down. Give me a pick for the AFC Championship. Man, I don't want to sound like a homer or anything here, but I think the Titans are going to take this one. I just – I believe in the Andy Reid curse, man. I really do, and they just can't close the deal. Uh, They're a great team. Uh, Patrick Mahomes is an amazing quarterback, but in the end, some for some reason, every time they get so close, they can't seal it. So I, I'm picking the Titans to get to the Super Bowl, buddy. I, I, it's a prayer, but I think they might might end up doing this. I want to tell you, man, I don't think it's as far as stretch. I, I really don't. I know that's going to drive people nuts. I know that scares the NFL to death to think that the six seed little Tennessee Titans could get into the Super Bowl. But I think there's a good chance, too, man. They play so good on defense. They're so strong. And, you know, you say, we don't know if Tannehill can beat anybody. Well, you know what? He beat a lot of teams down the stretch, flinging the ball all over the place. They haven't had to do that yet. But if they have to, something tells me he's going to be able to make a big play. They're going to get something. You can throw the ball on Kansas City. Maybe that's the option this week. Come out and throw it to set up the run. I'm going to join you on it, man. I'm going to homer out, too. I would have picked the Titans in a close one here to take out the Chiefs and be the AFC representative for the Super Bowl. So now that we've done that and we've totally jinxed our favorite team, uh, let's move (laughs) over to the NFC. This will be on Fox. This is 540 kick, 640 Eastern. The Green Bay Packers, our buddy Nick's favorite team, his home state team, taking on the San Francisco 49ers, the two versus the one. I mean, you got it. I mean, you got Aaron Rodgers, who's the elder statesman uh, in, in the playoffs here, at quarterback taking on Jimmy Garoppolo and the San Francisco team. Tell me from Green Bay's perspective, because these teams are so similar, man. I mean, you got high power quarterbacks, but they're both like really running teams with good defenses. What's Green Bay going to do to try to attack San Francisco? Man, this is difficult because you got San Francisco, who's a run-stuffing defense, right? That that's their forte. But the, for Aaron Rodgers to be effective, he's got to establish that running game, right? He is 
he's good enough to do it on his own without a running game. But I think when that happens, he tends to fall short, especially in the big games like this. So they need to stop Aaron. Uh, they need to stop uh, Jones from running that ball at them and make Aaron Rodgers win the game with his arm, which he can do. <laughs> that's not that's not saying that if they stop Jones, Rodgers can't beat him because he can. But that's their best bet. They got to keep that run game down so that the play action pass is gone and really attack Aaron Rodgers. They need to get on him fast. And that's something that is doable against the Green Bay offensive line. You can get to the quarterback. Uh, the problem is that Rodgers can sense it so well and get that ball out of there so fast. So it's going to be a tough one defensively for them. Now, uh as far as the Packers go, again, like I said, the same thing, the opposite end. They have to get Jones running the ball and doing well for them so that it opens up Aaron Rodgers for the big plays because they got that Devontae Adams and Devontae Adams this postseason on fire. He was on fire last week against the Seattle Seahawks. Mm-hmm. And down the stretch, he's he and Rodgers have really carried this team as far as it goes. The defense on Green Bay's side is very susceptible, and I think that that bodes well for uh, Kittle to have a big game. I think that bodes well for um, Garoppolo to have a big game. And so I expect this to actually be a, a pretty big shootout, if I'm if I'm guessing anything here. Well, I'll say this, man. Like, for Green Bay, yeah, Aaron Rodgers is amazing, no doubt. But he's got one real bona fide receiving option Devonte Adams the other guys on that team just haven't come around they don't have another great presence I mean Jimmy Graham's still out there but he's 55,000 years old so you know, <laughs> I don't don't know how effective he can be and you've got that defensive front from San Francisco that absolutely comes at you and then you've got a guy like Richard Sherman who is one of the best DBs in the history of the game mm-hmm. and it's definitely one of the best still playing He's a ball hawker. He gets on Devontae Adams, you're taking him out of the game. I, yep. I don't know that Green Bay can throw for a ton of yards on him. Here's what Green Bay can do, though, if they want to try to attack this team. Go quick passes, get the ball out of Aaron's hands quick, and get it in the in the flat to Aaron Jones and the other backs. You know, Make those swing passes kind of like extended sweep plays and stuff like that. That'll back the defense off so then they can run between the tackles. Because while Green Bay's not great, at pass protection, they're really good at running between the the lines there. And Aaron Jones is going to be a key to this. Here's the other side, though, man. Green Bay's defense is going to be you're going to have to bring the lunch fail, man, because uh, San Francisco lines up and they just pound you straight ahead. They're not like the Titans necessarily. They don't have a back like Derrick Henry that just bulldozes you, but they hit you with two or three different backs. Um, you, you know, Raheem Mostert has been a, a real revelation for them this year. Can really get yards after contact that's what matters and that sets up everything play action wise for them so san francisco is so dangerous when they can establish that run early and then they can roll jimmy out on the on the flat and let him hit a play to kittle or somebody else down the field and next thing you know they're you know they're off the races now kittle slowed by an ankle injury and that's going to be key in this game to watch for man because if, if he's hurt in any you know serious way and can't go full speed that's going to be advantage Green Bay. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I I kind of lean like you do, though, man. I, I wonder if we're going to get some shootout ball in terms of, like, the yards. But I don't know if there's going to be a ton of points in this one. I think these are going to be teams that kind of run up and down the field on each other between the 30s or so and then have to try to settle for threes. 
or end up getting sacked or something and then having to punt each other into deep position. And it's going to be whichever team can drive out of that that might win this one. So I, I want to I get it from, from you. I, I, I kicked it to you first, I mean, on that, that last one. So I'll, I'll pick first on this one, man. I, when I'm looking at this game, everything about this says, man, this is San Francisco's game to, to win. It, it really is. But there's something about the experience that Aaron Rodgers has in, in these kind of games and the, the the explosive defense that they have. The Smith brothers are just a couple of maulers. I think those guys are going to be the difference in this game. I'm going to take Green Bay to win it, and I mean win it close. I think they may have to you know, win it on a late field goal or a late drive or something. But I like the Packers in this one over the 49ers. I can't say I don't like your pick. I think it, you, you have valid reasons for picking Green Bay, and it definitely the experience is a huge advantage for Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers. But I just don't think that they have the weapons that are going to get it done for them. Uh, they're going to have to attack Sherman, and you saw what happened when the Vikings tried to attack Sherman. Nothing. <laughs> and so I just think that that's going to play a big part of this game. Unless they can get Jimmy Graham going, I, I don't see it. I think San Francisco takes care of it at home and writes their ticket into the Super Bowl, and Jimmy G uh, gets his first crack. Not his first oh. ring, though, because you know, yeah. he was on the other teams. <laughs> exactly, yeah. He's been, been with uh, one of those Patriots squads that got one. So. Well, it should be entertaining nonetheless, my man, as we – Get ready to head into the the final week of competition before we get to Super Bowl weekend because because it's Pro Bowl weekend next weekend, which, you know, I'm sure that'll be some riveting football uh, that nobody <laughs> will want to watch or talk Do about. Do we still have team captains in that crap fest? I think so. I mean, uh, honestly, like, they do a skills comp. They should just do that. Name all the fun, pro teams yeah. and, and, do, and do some fun stuff. But anyway, whatever. But they stage it then because they want to have two weeks between the end of the conference championships and the Super Bowl because the Super Bowl is its own huge spectacle. And, you know, we'll, we'll have plenty of time to break it down and talk about it uh, as we get to it. Let, let's just touch on that real quick. Uh, what are your thoughts on the two week break between the championship games and the Super Bowl? I think it's a stupid idea. I think it hurts I, the team's momentum going in. I think it, I think it can build some rust. Yeah, I would I would much rather we just go straight play and then the Pro Bowl All Star thing is at the end of the season. I would like agree. the very end. And I, that would, would also mm-hmm. that would also allow for those players that are in the Super Bowl to take part if they want to in the Pro Bowl as well. Because right now they're not allowed well, to because they and, to. And, that, and that's what they used to do too. Yeah. And that's I mean they they flipped it. I get why they want to do it in two weeks. They want to push it out to it's, it's got its own Sunday. It's that first Sunday in February or whatever. But to me, man, I, I don't know. I just, I just like the idea that uh, the Super Bowl gets played in momentum with the rest of the season. Uh, yeah. Now the teams will probably tell you that, Hey, we like the extra week to get healthy. That's what the the NFL thinks is that, hey, you get the best competition. But I don't know if that's true, man. I mean, you know, I, one more week um, yeah, I don't on think these it teams, is. I don't think it makes any difference. I really don't. No, uh, I but, think if, you, if you're yeah. going in hot, uh, the best time to play is right away and not yeah. to cool that. Yeah. And that'll make for the better game. And to yeah. have them sit on their butts and do media for an extra week, I think is it's just wasteful. And I think it, it can hurt the momentum. Uh, yeah, I get the injuries can heal a little better, but I yeah, I don't buy into that either. So 
I agree with you, but the thing is, we have had really competitive Super Bowls for the most part for the we last. We have, but years. we've had a lot of crappy ones too. We we have we have some we've had some junk ones too. It usually takes everybody like a quarter to figure out what they're doing. Like last year's, I know people were like, "Oh no, that was great defensive ball." Actually, no, that was two offenses that couldn't do anything, <laughs> and and then it just ground to a halt. I mean, it was boring. I like, it was live. That was terrible. Um, and also because I was just I knew what the outcome was going to be after you know ten minutes into it, I was like, "Well, it's clear the Patriots are going to." grind this into a halt but guess what they're not in this one this year so no matter what we get something different now what i have concocted in my picks is the nfl's marketing nightmare to try to sell the world on green bay versus tennessee Uh, i still think it'll always get the viewers but they will tell you the experts will say oh that's not the game we want what the game everybody wants is the state farm bowl that, yeah, they oh, want, absolutely. They want Green, Green Bay versus Kansas City. And I know they say, oh, that's two Midwest teams. I, no, the, that's Aaron Rodgers and Patrick Mahomes. Patrick now, Mahomes, if yeah. Jimmy Garoppolo gets in there, that's that's cake, too. Uh, but uh, nobody in charge of marketing for the NFL and the Super Bowl wants Tennessee anywhere near it, which is all the more reason why I hope we totally crash the parties. I would agree. It's 100%. going to be a lot of fun. We'll get into it again, like I say. You know, the conference championships will be over. We'll come back next week, chat for a few minutes about how that goes down. Then the next show, we'll get it set up for the Super Bowl. That'll be our big blowout. We'll, we'll dig into that. But for that, Brian, tell folks how they can follow your work over at Brian's Vinyl Records. Well, I run Brian's Vinyl Records. It's just a, a little thing I do on YouTube. It's a channel. I show my latest uh, record finds and, and do vinyl topics and things like that. So if you're into vinyl records, check that out. Brian's Vinyl Records on YouTube. You can also find me on Instagram and Facebook at Brian's Vinyl Records, and on there I post what I'm listening to throughout the day, so you can follow along with what I'm I'm playing. And then uh, I also have a Twitter account at Brian's Vinyl Rec if you're into that as well. Fantastic. Well, thanks for coming on the Gridiron Breakdown again here, man, and we'll talk to you again as the NFL season wraps up. Folks, thanks for joining us on this latest episode of the Gridiron Breakdown show. If you will, please leave us a positive review, share the show with others, it helps people find it, and you can follow us on Facebook. Search for the Gridiron Breakdown page. You can like it there. You get show updates. And if you go to anchor.fm slash Breakdown, you'll find every feed uh, where you can find the podcast. We appreciate your support. Until next time, for Alan and Brian, I'm Jay. You've been listening to the Gridiron Breakdown. Thank you for listening to the Gridiron Breakdown. The Gridiron Breakdown theme is Sports Time Tonight by Phil Gerard, Reed Hayes, and Scott P. Shear. Tune in next week for more analysis and opinion from our hosts. I ain't saying anybody scared out there. I ain't saying fear. Now y'all scared to ask another question? <laughs>